No, you can try all the Catholic guilt you want. Jesus is not going to help with the situation. No, no matter how many crosses she does. <laughs> no. Karen has eyes for another handsome lawyer. Really? Has eyes for? Was that digital? That was no, but now I feel a little bad about that. <laughs> so cheesy. That was cheesy as anything. Welcome to the Marvelous Madness Podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. We are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things Marvel. Madams assemble. I have been looking forward to this episode. All week. Really? Yes, you not so much, huh? No, I hated this episode. (laughs) I hated it. You know, when this episode starts, my first thought was, wait, did I turn on Endgame by mistake? Is this Hawkeye? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's certainly not. It certainly isn't Hawkeye. No. And calling him Hawkeye is an insult to Hawkeye. (laughs) Gotta give a guy credit, though, for his age. Goddamn. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Can't deny that. And and the actor, Scott Glenn, he does a wonderful job. Yes. And which is why I hate him so much. (laughs) You know, in his advanced age now he kind of reminds me of leonard nimoy i can see that yes yeah like if nimoy hadn't been a drunk and could fight (laughs) i mean because seriously my very first note for this episode is oh my fucking god stick just cut that guy's hand off yeah he did that very well oh sharp blade definitely yeah and you know this opening scene also reminded me a lot of you know, I've said it before because Daredevil is so much like Batman. It reminds me of in The Dark Knight when Batman went to Hong Kong to bring Lao back to the U.S. Just okay. going in there, just taking care of business, doing whatever he's got to do, like a bulldozer. Right. So last episode, you had brought up how Matt never uses guns. Right. And we see the same thing here with Stick. I love the fact that they show this dude with this enormous handgun and Stick takes him down with a sword. (laughs) And that guy doesn't even manage to get a single shot at Stick. No. I mean, this gun looks like something fucking Yosemite Sam would take out of his pocket (laughs) when he's when he's just had it with Bugs Bunny. The last straw. Mm hmm. You know, when I first watched this back when it came out in 2013, I actually didn't even recognize Scott Glenn right away. Okay. Because I'm so, my image of him, I'm so used to thinking of him as Jack Crawford in Silence of the Lambs, you know? Oh, he's from, see, I didn't remember. Yeah, that's who Scott Glenn always is for me because I've seen that movie so many times. It's one of my favorite movies. So big contrast there. And it took me a few minutes to realize, holy shit, that is Scott Glenn. Yeah. And he obviously does justice to the role, just as he did in Silence of the Lambs. Absolutely. So morning arrives and we head over to Nelson and Murdoch. Do they have their sign yet or are they still using cardboard? 
I don't think we see the door. Okay. Which is good. Yeah, so the three friends are having a little bit of a debate here. Yes. That's making me very uncomfortable. <laughs> right. Foggy is clearly anti-vigilantism. Yeah, he calls Daredevil, in no particular order, a coward, a terrorist, and a dickhead. <laughs> yeah, and Karen is clearly conflicted. Yeah, and understandably, he saved her life. Yeah, obviously. And she's right, they don't know all the facts. Yes, so her personal experience is obviously influencing her opinions but at the same time we can see just how good a job the media has done that someone like foggy who is a little bit distant compared to the others compared to you know people who are really having a hard time for him to be influenced and to think that matt is you know a terrible human being and vigilantism is nowhere has no place in society well i think there's a little more to it with foggy okay like how I think he's a little jealous. Of a vigilante who he does not know is Matt? No, I think he's a little jealous of Karen's hero. That I agree with, yes. He wants to be Karen's hero. Correct. Yes, I get that. And Matt is pretending to be completely unaffected by all of this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's too busy reading his own thing pretending like like he knows nothing right and just saying generally oh you know he shouldn't be tried in the press this just twists my guts up there are a few things in tv and movies that really get me twisted in a knot and when people are angry at each other in this way when like people who love each other are angry at each other in this way that is one and also any kind of embarrassment which is why i've seen meet the parents once i could never watch it again couldn't do it oh that's a hilarious movie oh (laughs) did you watch the follow-up no i can't do it it's good i can't do it it's not as good as the first but certainly no good Uh uh-uh no i i Mm. i have vicarious embarrassment (laughs) so one thing about this scene that also rubbed me the wrong way all right matt you know what I know you're not really blind and it's not really an issue for you. That beard's getting a little out of control now, buddy. <laughs> it's all the way down the neck. This is officially a neck beard. Make it stop. Stubble. Overnight five o'clock shadow. That is it. I think this beard that we see is is only in this particular scene. The rest of the episode, he has relatively cleaned up. So Foggy and Karen are also being super awkward with, e- with each other here. Yeah. Well, Foggy more so, because Karen's idea of the date blew up along with Hell's Kitchen. Yes, yes, it did. (laughs) Yeah, and they were having a weird moment before all this when Karen was basically pretending Foggy was Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think Foggy's maybe sort of just figuring that out even 5% at this point? I don't think so. Oh, God, he's so he's so painfully clueless. (laughs) Yeah, he is. So now you mentioned that Matt is busy over there reading. And I feel like this is kind of a dick move. 
How so? He's doing this right out in front of them. He is looking into Owsley. He is pursuing his secret agenda right in front of their faces. And they have no idea because it's in Braille. I know it's brilliant, but it's also a dick move, Matt. (laughs) But how is it a dick move? It's like rubbing it in their faces without them even knowing. It's cheating. (laughs) I don't know. I wouldn't consider it cheating. He could be reading anything. He could be doing anything. But he's doing that right in front of them under their noses and they have no idea. That just makes it worse on top of everything he's already hiding from them. That's because he's obsessed. And that's that's something that does uh, come up later on, you know, where all his secrets come out. It could also be arrogance on his part. Like, these guys won't figure it out. Oh, yeah. Matt's got plenty of ego to go around. Yeah. No question. I don't think it's so much of a dick move because, you know, what you don't know won't hurt you, right? It's already hurt them. Well, true. But (laughs) this particular braille reading situation. Ah, it's just sneaky on top of sneaky. True. Yes, that's Matt. Yeah. Speaking of ego, Matt needs to go find his new friend, Owsley. Yes, he does. And this guy, seriously, your strategy is to play dumb. <laughs> but look at Owsley. He's trying to make a side deal with the Yakuza behind Fisk's back. Dude's got guts. No, I don't think he has guts. I think he has a massive ego, a massive amount of entitlement. I don't think it's guts for him. I think he's a cowardly little bastard. Okay, yeah, that that's that's better. Yeah, he's got the ego where he thinks he's untouchable because he's dealing with the money. Exactly. And we also just need to say it. He's an old white man, an old rich True. white man. Yeah, yeah. And it just pisses me off that the goddamn stun gun bit works. <laughs> Damn it, Matt, because... pay attention. Yeah, because Matt was distracted. Yeah, that's what, you know, that's what pisses me off is that Stick is basically like, let yourself be taken down by this old man that's stung. It's because of you, asshole. (laughs) It's going to be really hard for me to control myself about Stick because Stick is a dick. Yeah, so Matt is momentarily distracted because he hears another cane heading his way. He knows, even though it's been 20 years, he knows Stick when he hears him. Yes. That gives Owsley a little, like, just a second to get in there and stunt and tase him in the side. Yeah, and get away. I prefer the word scurry. (laughs) That's what his kind does. So, yeah, and then we have a flashback. Yeah, oh, this is rough. I don't know what's worse. What's worse for me? I, you know, I relate to this so much. So in both senses here, I don't know what's worse. The sensory overload that Matt is going through Or just being in a Catholic orphanage, (laughs) surrounded by nuns. Yeah, yeah. Well, clearly he doesn't have a problem with nuns. So I've mentioned it before on the show, but for those who don't know, I have a connective tissue disorder called uh, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, and it affects my nervous system. And it makes me super sensitive to pretty much everything. So... Like, I can't have a podcast playing and the TV on at the same time. Absolutely not. I rarely even have the TV on in the house. Like, I can't handle 
knuckle cracking. I can't handle like a heavy bass in music. My husband has to wear headphones. So I get what Matt is going through over here. Only for him, it's like times a thousand. Right. Yeah. I'm on the other side of the spectrum. I know for you, because of your issues, that's what affects you. I am good at tuning out sounds. If I'm in a noisy place, like if I'm in a coffee shop or something and the noise and the music is too loud, I have the ability to tune out if I need to. Oh, I wish I did. Oh. Mm. So we also get a little piece of info here from one of the nuns. And yes, I will be saying the word nuns that way for the rest of the episode. <laughs> she is talking to Stick. They've brought him in hoping that he can help Matt. You know, they've they've heard tell of what he can do type of thing. Right. And Stick wants to be paid. And I get that. I totally get that. A person should be paid for their services. And she tells him that Matt received a, quote, sizable inheritance from his father. So right. apparently they were able to access the money like that all happened. We don't know what sizable means because this is also the late 80s, early 90s in a working class area. And this is a nun saying it. So vow of poverty at all. Who the fuck knows how much it is? <laughs> yeah, but the way she said it was um, interesting. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you're you're talking to a true crime nerd who couldn't watch The Keepers because she couldn't make herself care about a dead nun. <laughs> so I try not to pay too much attention to them. So Stick agrees to take on Matt and understands very quickly that Matt is not getting weaker. He's getting stronger. Yeah, it's pretty apparent from the moment he walks in the door and shuts the door that he knows exactly what Matt is going through. Yes, because he is blind himself. Yes. And not only that, later on in the episode, I think it's the second flashback after this, it's very heavily implied that Stick already knew about Matt and he found his way through to make the nuns get in touch with him to help Matt. Yes, he orchestrated this whole thing. Yes. I'm much more conflicted about Stick than you are because I love his philosophy and what he teaches Matt, this whole idea of disabilities as gifts. Oh, no, don't get me wrong. That is perfectly fine. I'm 100% on board with that. I just don't appreciate the fact that he needs to be a dick. Yeah, I get it. And not only the idea of disabilities as gifts, but the idea that intelligence isn't about books and grades. That True. What he says to Matt is smart is making the right decision at the right time. And I fucking love that. Yeah, agreed. I like this flashback. He's I mean, he's still a bit of an ass, but he's not as big of an ass. He hasn't shown his true colors yet. Right. Well, I think there's a softer center to stick than you would like to believe. So right no, now, I know I know there is. I can see it. But that doesn't excuse his behavior. Oh, I know. Absolutely. That's like saying a serial killer feels bad every time they murder someone. That doesn't excuse them to not be punished. Oh, of course not. And I have to just interject with they rarely do. Uh, uh, just to, to, if giving you a, you know, extreme example. Yeah. So another reason, though, that I'm conflicted, like it's great what Stick is teaching Matt at its core you know, I've come a long way with dealing with my chronic illness issues, and I do now see them as gifts in various ways, and I am grateful for them, but I'm not 
using those gifts to go out and beat the shit out of people. So my issue with Sick is that he is a worse enabler than fucking Alfred. <laughs> uh, he's not only an enabler, he actually taught Matt to be like that. Right, which is why he's worse than Alfred. Alfred was just like, all right, I'll, I'll make your suits. You know, I'll keep the cave clean. I'll stitch you up. But I mean, Sick is turning this kid into a weapon. Yeah, that is something that I, I felt was a bit icky because here's this young boy who's lost his father, his mum. We don't really know the details about it, but either she doesn't want him or she's incapable of taking care of him. Right. He's in an orphanage with strangers. Presumably a couple of years ago, he was blinded. So he is still navigating this new life with all these new people. And you have this guy coming in and molding him to become a soldier in a war that there is no basis for this we don't know anything about this yeah why should we trust stick it kind of felt like he's grooming him and taking advantage of this vulnerable boy yeah it's it's almost like a kind of rape yes yeah it really is he's taking away you're right. He's grooming him. He's taking away this kid's choice. Yeah. And the kid doesn't know better. No. And it's clear that he's probably the only guy who's spoken to him as an equal at this point or had any kind of conversation that didn't involve sin and hellfire and all of that. I mean, how could a young boy like him who's gone through all this connect to any of the nuns? Yeah. Or vice versa. Yeah. Because it's an orphanage, there are obviously a lot more kids there. They're not looking at a child's emotional needs. They're just looking at the physical needs. Right. Yeah. So we flash back now to the present where poor Matt is rolling around on the ground in this parking garage and is like, the fuck you doing here, old man? And Stick has the nerve to say, oh, I'm here to help you clean up your mess. Yeah. Yeah. Which, but you know what? Fair. Matt has made a bit of a mess of things. Yes, he has. But Stick is not here to help Matt. Stick is here with his own agenda. Yes. And I do not understand quite what that agenda is. We will get to that in later this episode and in coming episodes because I don't remember. <laughs> yes, we will. And this plays quite a bit ahead. Okay, so while Matt's rolling around on the ground like a sausage in a pan, Karen is still meeting with Ben Urich. Yes, they are still discussing Union Allied and Ben is still hesitant about involving Karen too much. Yeah, well, Ben doesn't understand that Karen's going to do what she wants. Yeah, but I mean, I kind of understand he is trying to protect her and he's this conversation made me feel like Ben is a tired man and who and he is weighted down by his conscience with all the other people who have been hurt in his quest for the truth. Yes, and also by the situation with his wife. Yes, of course. He feels like he's failed so many people. Yeah. But he knows all the players who are connected to Fisk. He knows about Blake, who survived his gunshot wound and is in a coma. And Blake's partner. And at this point, he tells her, hey, you see that guy in the mask? I don't care if you save your life once. You run. Yeah. Because he himself is a bit unsure about 
the guy in the mask. Right. But Karen is just beyond frustrated at this point. She wants her life back. She wants to be able to leave the house or even be in her home and not be scared. Yeah, which is understandable. Totally. So Matt has no choice but to bring Stick back to his apartment, which is now empty as Claire has left. Yes. And he immediately starts criticizing everything. Yeah. Everything. Pretty much. On one hand, he says that he's living in a shithole. And the next he's saying you're too soft because you've got soft stuff around you. Make up your mind. How dare you have furniture in an apartment? Yeah. And and silk sheets. Oh, my God. The nerve. I got to say, I was pretty jealous about the silk sheets. I, I prefer cotton. I've never had silk sheets. I don't know. I still got Amazon basics on my bed. <laughs> And we need new ones. I told my husband, I'm like, we need some new ones. This shit is starting to pill. <laughs> now, silk sheets are too, they're too slidey. Nah. Well, satin's like that. Is our satin and silk kind of the same? Similar, but not quite. Yeah, I wouldn't know. As I say, sitting in my leggings and Captain Marvel t-shirt, both of which I, <laughs> both of which I ordered online, so... Yeah, well, I'm not dressed any better. I'm in my PJs. I don't own a dress. Good thing we don't record this episode in video because we're not presentable in any way right now. <laughs> I'm just one step away from my bed in my PJs. So the whole core of uh, Stick's shtick here, say that three times fast, <laughs> is that he thinks Matt lives in too much comfort. Warriors can't live like this. Oh, and by the way, you should give up your entire existence and cut yourself off from everyone you love. Yeah. And give up the fancy job, which is not quite fancy. <laughs> fancy. Yeah. But as fancy as ketchup. <laughs> Stick needs to take a round to the office. He would probably say something like, what, you got rats in here? You're keeping pets now? You're adding more <laughs> emotional attachments? <laughs> no, you need to kill them and eat them. Probably. But this is where I also have to say, Stick has a point. It's already happened. Claire has already gotten hurt. Boggy has already gotten hurt. His identity is eventually either going to come out or just somehow people he cares about are going to be further hurt or killed or used against him. Yes. See, now, yes, he has a point over here, but but the intention that Stick has is that you need to end all worldly connections is for his war that we know nothing of yet. But we know that Matt has his own war going on right now. Yeah, Stick is being selfish. Which is the entirety of this episode. That is exactly what he's been doing. He's been selfish. So this takes Matt right back 20 years ago in his mind, training with Stick, learning how to control his temper. And again, this kid is so good. Yeah, he is. The stunt person that they got for the kid, if, if at all they did, is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it is perfectly possible for a kid to have these kinds of skills, but to have one who has these skills and is a great actor, ooh, that's one in a yeah. million. Yeah, absolutely. And not only a great actor, but one who looks enough like, one, one who has enough of the same features as your star so that he could plausibly grow into him. Right, yeah. 
So, of course, this poor baby blames himself for his father's death. Yeah, that's completely understandable. And we can see the root of Matt's guilt. And, I, you know, I think Stick actually does right here. He doesn't comfort Matt. And I, I think that was actually right. I think comfort would have made it worse because comfort would be a subliminal message of you have something to be sorry for in Matt's mind. So so instead, what Stick does is talk to him about choices. Like, kid, this isn't your fault because your father made his own choices and that's not on you. Yeah, that is the right thing to do. Well, he could have done it in a nicer way, but Stick is a dick. He also, he doesn't know how. Yeah, we're, we're saying he, he could have done it in a nicer way. He's not equipped. He doesn't know how. Mm. And I think a part of him also doesn't want to so that he doesn't create an attachment. Absolutely. Both ways. Yep. But here what he's doing is that he's trying to channel Matt's guilt and feelings into anger, which is not healthy. No, and that's selfish too. Yeah, it's selfish and he's grooming him. Yeah. Yeah. It's a majorly complicated relationship. It is. Because Matt owes Stick so much. But at the same time, of course he resents him. Yeah, sure. Matt both needs the skills he has and also resents these skills because now that he has them, he feels morally obligated to do good with them. I think he would have always felt morally obligated. It is a part of who he is. Yes, but if not for Stick, he wouldn't have these amazing gifts, these fighting abilities, all of it. True. Matt refocuses and we're back in his apartment. Yeah. Stick is trying to tell Matt that he's going about this wrong, that Fisk is not the head guy, and that Stick has an operation going on to go after the one dude Fisk is afraid of. Yes. I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> not a clue. Well, we will know. We will know as we move forward. Through this whole thing, Stick is just talking about what is going on for him right he is not interested in acknowledging matt's anything at this point he's trying to manipulate matt to join in in his war because he wants to go after the black sky well see i actually think stick is very much interested in what matt's going on and that's exactly why he doesn't ask i think he's totally been keeping tabs on matt for 20 years Stick is like that divorced dad who doesn't want you to know that he did come and see your ballet recital, even though you weren't speaking to him at that time, that you stood in the back and stood in the shadows and you were always there, but didn't want him to be, but sort of did. Which is... It's not healthy. Oh no, I didn't say this it was. guy. No. This guy needs this guy needs a whack on his head and to be told that if he needs people to do stuff for him, he needs to be nicer and not be such an such a dick. You want to tell him that? You want to give him a smack on the head? Be my guest. See how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> and while he's sitting and explaining all of this to Matt in the middle of throwing punches. He sounds like a complete and utter fanatic. Yes. I think it's safe to say he is. He is. 
And that is what made me very uncomfortable as we move forward and we see the other flashbacks. Part of the problem between these two is also the fact that they're so much alike. Now, is that they're alike but because of nature or have are they alike because Stick has taught him to be that way? Nature. They are both obsessive people. They both think they are always right. Okay. What Stick tells him is that, and we've seen this guy a couple times before, Nobu, he's the one who appears to be escorting Madame Gao, sort of. Yeah, but he is Japanese. Yeah. Madame Gao isn't. Yeah, I have a little trouble keeping track of that. Nobu is bringing in a major weapon to the docks called Black Sky. Right. And Stick is here because he intends to stop him and he wants he wants Matt's help to do that. Oh, and by the way, Matt, you really know what you need to do besides all the furniture and the people you care about? Time to start killing, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Which Matt is absolutely refusing to agree to. Yeah, but uh, he reminds me of Thor right here. By the time they finish this fight. When okay. he makes this so-called agreement with Stick. Where he's like, all right, I'll help you, but you got to promise not to kill anybody. Okay. <laughs> okay, Matt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Reminds me of Thor. Just doesn't learn. Mm -hmm. While these two recover, we get a great little moment here with Karen and Mrs. Cardenas, who is all fixed up now. Yes. She's still a little worse for wear, but she's at least um, mobile. Yes. I love this woman so much. I have to say yeah, again. she's awesome. But, yeah. and we see how much Karen loves her. Karen's bringing her groceries and won't take a dime for them. Yeah. And I can tell you this, an old Catholic Hispanic woman like Mrs. C here, not being able to pay someone for something they give you like this is like a fate worse than death. <laughs> so it, it says a lot about her love for Karen that she goes along with it. Yeah, and she's willing to give her the information that she, that Karen wants. Yeah, which is right. descriptions of the two, you know, so-called construction workers who beat the shit out of this apartment complex. Right, yeah. And Karen is trying to get in touch with the person who's supposed, who's quote-unquote in charge, who is on vacation. Yeah, the slumlord. And it's like, oh my god, Mrs. C, how do you not get what's going on here? She thinks the guy is actually on vacation. Like, oh, he's sitting on a beach somewhere. No, honey, yeah. this is a much bigger operation, honey. Yeah, but she doesn't know that. I know. But one thing is for sure, Karen certainly scandalizes Mrs. C. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually found that rather funny. You know, I, I have a theory on why Mrs. C loves Foggy so much. Why? Okay, so this is just a theory based on personal experience. I think it's because he's so white and blonde and rosy-cheeked that she sees him as this different little puppy that she's used to. Okay. She sees him as like this little cherub almost. <laughs> <laughs> that needs to be taken care of because he's sweet and soft and he's got this sweet little face and these old blue eyes. He just doesn't know. And I speak from experience on this because that is similar to the way my mother-in-law treated me when we met. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she definitely does. She definitely does like 
Foggy a lot. And I think she likes Karen equally well. Oh, yes. And she is absolutely on a mission to get them together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Mrs. Karen C. Karen is having none of that. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can try all the Catholic guilt you want. Jesus is not going to help with the situation. No, no matter how many crosses she does. Mm-hmm. No. Karen has eyes for another handsome lawyer. Really? Has eyes for? Was that digital? That was no, but now I feel a little bad about that. <laughs> so cheesy. That was cheesy as anything. Hey, it's okay. I'm going with it. I'm going to I'm going to balance that out with stick as a dick. So Karen leaves Mrs. C's place for the night and of course, immediately run in, runs into these two goons on the street. Yeah. The exact goons who she the exact goons that Mrs. Cardenas just just described. Yes. And before anything major could happen, thankfully, Foggy showed up to be the hero and save the day. Where did he get the bat? He had it in the office. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I love a good baseball bat beating. <laughs> that would he had a good swing, I'll admit. He did. Yes. A baseball bat would always be my weapon of choice to beat somebody with. Good to know. Yes. And I say that with great pride. Okay. So Foggy takes the guy down, but I love the fact that Karen's just like, fuck this, I'm gonna get in on this too, and maces the guy in the face. Yeah, yeah. And they're both pissed off at each other for being where they are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I feel so bad for Foggy. I mean, yes, Karen was just assaulted, so yeah, I feel bad for her too. But poor Foggy is so completely in the dark as to what both of his closest friends are doing. Yeah. And he's equally worried about... Both of them. Yeah. And he has no idea he's already been victimized by this shit. Yeah. So while these two are getting their heart rates back under control, Matt and Stick head over to the docks to deal with this black sky weapon that we're about to find out what that is. Right. Does Stick have a giant slingshot here? Did I imagine that? He doesn't have a slingshot. He has an, he made a bow. A bow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so you know what? My Hawkeye comparison wasn't that off base now, was it? <laughs> Which leaves me wondering, how the fuck does a blind man use a bow and arrow? Seriously? The same guy who flicked a bottle cap with his thumb and had it hit like eight different things in the room and go straight in the garbage can? That's true. Come on now. I mean, if they can hear stuff and, <laughs> and don't need MRI machines and x-rays, sure. Okay. So pretty quickly here, we see that there is a child chained up in this shipping container. Yeah. And Stick very conveniently tells Matt that he needs to go and take care of the goons while Stick takes care of the weapon. Yeah. And I do want to add here that this is not a normal child. Like, we're not talking about a kid who was brought here because they're being trafficked. Yes, there is something special about this boy. Yeah, this boy looks like an Egyptian boy king or something. The way he's dressed and his manner and the way he's carrying himself. Okay. That's that's what I related to. He, he looks like he's something more than human. 
Which is exactly the point. Yeah. That's why he's special. Well, yeah. So just as we see that Black Sky is actually a boy, Matt discovers this by hearing his heartbeat. And he immediately realizes that Stick is planning to kill this boy. So he then saves the boy from Stick, which pisses Stick off to no end. And we have another flashback. Yeah. And this is another part I like here of Stick telling Matt. And this is absolutely true. The mind does control the body. Most people have no idea how much their mind and their thoughts can influence various aspects of their body and the way it functions. Yes, absolutely. And uh, this is heartbreaking. Yeah, the scene. First, we see that Matt has certainly improved a lot. His training has done wonders. He is in a better place physically and mentally, although that could be debatable. Mm. And then Matt makes the mistake of showing Stick that he likes him. Yeah. Or he loves him. Yeah, he made him a bracelet out of the wrapper from the ice cream that Stick had bought him the day they met. Yes. And oh my God, I really want to kill Stick. Yeah, I knew he was going to mash that thing up in his hand. Yes, he did. I think that I think that moment for Stick was more terrifying than any physical fight he'd ever been in. Because he realized that Matt has affection for him? Because he wanted to reciprocate. Which is why he left. Yes. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, he didn't take off because Matt was attached to him. He took off because he liked the kid too. He felt the same attachment and it scared the living shit out of him. Yeah, I get that. But that doesn't excuse his behavior. No, not at all. This this reminded me of my mom. How so? My mom is not um, the warmest person in the world. The reason why I dislike Stick so much is because because he reminds me of her in many ways with the putting down and selfishness and manipula- manipulation and things like that. This particular moment reminded me of so many times when it would be her birthday or any special occasion and I would go and buy her a gift. She would always either dismiss it and throw it away or just give it back to me and say it's a waste of money. I don't want it. So it's the exact same sentiment over here. Yes, we kind of understand that Stick is doing this in order to keep his emotional distance. But for me, it was gut wrench because it reminded me so much about my childhood. Understandable. And I actually saw it more from Stick's point of view because of all of the childcare I've done in the past. So I actually had a job. It's a tough thing when you're taking care of other people's kids, when you're helping to raise other people's kids, because they expect you to care for them and protect them as they would, you know, which is, I mean, you want a good childcare provider, but at the same time, you can't ever let yourself get too attached. Yes, but that doesn't mean you crush the poor child's heart. Oh, no. You know, it's a tough balance. And if you don't have the emotional intelligence, the emotional skills to navigate that, oh, you're going to fuck that kid up. Yeah, absolutely. Which clearly happened with Matt. Yeah, that's exactly what we see here. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I kind of blame this on the nuns a little bit, too. Like, 
somebody should have been supervising this. I'm sure Stick was like, no, it has to be just the two of us or I'm walking away. Pay him more. Do something. But somebody, I mean, nowadays, there would be somebody else in that room. There would be a woman in that room making sure nothing inappropriate was going on. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I I agree 100%. The nuns should have been supervising. But I also think that because it's an orphanage and they're just so overwhelmed with all the other kids, they're happy to let Matt be with this dude so that they don't have to worry about this one problem child and they can deal with the others. Yeah, I mean, why would nuns ever think that a grown man would do something inappropriate with a child (laughs) it's fine nothing like nothing inappropriate has ever happened within the confines of a catholic property yeah and even keeping that aside the fact that this this man is grooming this child to become a become a soldier in this mythical war that only he knows about teaching this child that anger is the way to channel his emotions and things like that is in itself inappropriate, even if there's nothing untoward happening. Yeah. And, you know, Stick says to him, oh, I expected too much of you. Of course you fucking did. He's nine. (laughs) A little bit more than nine. Look, not by much. Because he lost his... Yeah, not by much. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, nine's nine's not okay. At ten, we can crush your soul. It's okay. Gotta hit double digits. (laughs) Yeah. So it's totally understandable. We see why Matt, the man, is so angry. He's still hurting for that little boy. Yeah, he is. And we also see the reason why we get this flashback at this point is because Matt is associating with that boy that Stick wanted to kill. Right. And it's at this point where Stick says to him, hey, in case you didn't notice, that wasn't really a child. Yeah. And oh, by the way, I did kill him. Yeah. (laughs) And that is when Matt loses it. Something snaps inside of him the same way it did sometimes in his dad. Yeah. And these two destroy Matt's apartment. Yes, they do. And for anybody who doesn't know necessarily what the term old man strength means, you're about to see it. (laughs) Yeah. These guys have a brutal fight, and I kind of feel bad for Matt's furniture. I do, too. They destroy that apartment. Yeah, that's expensive stuff. Is it? Is it, though? Maybe a little bit expensive. (laughs) Yeah, this is a knockdown, drag-out fight. Neither of them is holding back. Yeah, this is their way of communicating. Pretty much, yeah. Matt's been wanting to do this for a long time. This is 20 years worth of anger coming out. Mm -hmm. Matt finally takes Stick down in the end. Yes. And he finally, at the end there, that was the first time in the episode, Stick actually looked a little old. Old, and he still wasn't willing to accept that he was defeated. No, of course not. You got lucky. (laughs) Who put these stairs here? So Matt tells him... Get the fuck out of my city. I don't want to see you again. Yeah, yeah, he does. And then we head to Karen. Yeah, who decides to bring Foggy in on things with Ben. Yes, finally, one secret is out. Well, at least between Foggy and Karen. Yeah, 5% of the secrets are out. (laughs) 
Yeah, and Ben is understandably unsure about Foggy, but once Karen vouches for him, he's good with it. Yeah, and I think Foggy has more than proven himself. But Ben doesn't know him, right? No, but I mean, just in in general, like for us, it's like, yeah, it's time. Yeah. Foggy's proven himself capable. Yeah, that's true. And he will be a good asset moving forward. And he's adorable. <laughs> just ask Mrs. Cardenas. Yeah. Poor little scandalized Mrs. Cardenas. <laughs> and in front of Jesus. I know. She didn't ask her at one point, since when have you been like this? <laughs> so we see now, we go back to Matt in his apartment trying to clean this place up. And oh, this just tore me up. He still has the bracelet. He finds it on the floor. Yeah. It fell off. It fell either out of Stick's pocket, fell off something when they were fighting. And Matt realizes, mm -hmm. oh, my God, he still has this after 20 years. He did keep yeah. it. At which point, there's no doubt in my mind, he feels like a complete, utter, total piece of shit. Matt's default, remember, his default emotion is guilt. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so question. If things hadn't gone the way things went and... Matt had not agreed to play along with Stick and help him out with his Black Sky issue. Do you think that Stick would have used this bracelet as a bargaining chip or as a tool? Never. If his life depended on it, he would not have voluntarily admitted to Matt that he kept that bracelet. Okay. No way. Okay, yeah. fair enough. That would be way too much pride to choke on. That man doesn't know how to admit that he's wrong. He doesn't know how to have feelings, process anything like that. No, absolutely not. Okay. So this last scene, things start to get ooky spooky here. <laughs> Who the fuck is this guy that Stick is meeting with? And I say meeting with working with i can't picture stick working for anyone i could barely per picture him working with anyone so what is the deal here this is where his fanaticism comes in and you got to admit that stick does seem a tiny bit subservient to this mystery dude yeah just a little bit deferential yeah and it might have something to do with the fact that this guy looks massive <laughs> And the scars. Yeah. But I was sitting there watching this going, I do not remember any of this. Yeah, this comes more into play in season two, if I remember correctly. Okay. So that is where we leave things off here in episode seven with this guy who kind of looks like an Austin Powers character. <laughs> in a black room with... Steam. Is there steam? Is there steam rising from somewhere? Smoke is what I would think. Yeah, I don't like know. incense, smoky, kind of ritualistic something. Ugh, I swear, between that and all the uh, Catholic orphanage nonsense, I could practically smell the damn incense in my nose. Ugh. So, if you would like to share your own shtick with us, find us on Twitter or Instagram at Marvel Madams. Thanks to all you madams for joining us today. I'm Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. Join us next week for Season 1, Episode 8 of Daredevil. Where another 5% of secrets will be divulged. Hopefully. <laughs> Are you keeping tabs? Drips and drabs. 
So if you enjoy listening to us and you'd like an exclusive bonus episode about how we met and started the podcast, join our email list and we'll send you the link. Sign up on our website, themarvelousmadams.com, where infinity stones are a girl's best friend. Oh God, please, (laughs) for my sake, please don't say dick too much. Jesus, please. (laughs) Save me from myself, please. (laughs) Too many dicks in your fanfic? (gasps) It distracts me. Say asshole. Oh God, that's good. God, I need to... (laughs) Okay, I'm sweating. God. (laughs) 